This is the, the honest truth. I felt the spirit so strongly, and it said, this is a good man. So here's the deal. We get engaged. We end up getting married. And those first several months were so surreal. Um, it would, you know, I'd be watching the clock. It's ticking down to five o'clock. I know that within a half hour, he's going to be coming home. And that's my husband. I'm married. I'm married to this man. Yet I was not in love with him. Hi, and welcome to And If Love Remains. I am your host, Mike Levitt. And we are continuing our series of love stories today with Mike and Kirsten Millsap. These are friends of mine. I'm excited to be here with them and talk about their story. Um, this episode is brought to you by Music by Mike, Love by You, your, your source for custom songwriting. If you have a, an event, uh, a wedding, or a... Um, or an anniversary coming up, or anything you'd like to celebrate with a custom song, Music by Mike, Love by You, catch it on on Facebook. Um, I'm excited to talk to Kirsten and Mike today about their love story. It's a fun story. And uh, um, why don't we first, um, Kirsten, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit of background. Tell us where you're from. Just who are you? (laughs) What's your, give us the the, the quick lowdown. Okay. Uh, Well, my name is Kirsten Millsap. (laughs) And I am a Utah girl, and I have been a a singer and songwriter myself, so I'm into music. Um, I was married once before for four years back in early 90s, and um, actually continued dating him for about a year. Um, And then I met Mike, and... He and I have been married for 20, we're on our 25th year. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And, and you're Utah, where in Utah did you grow up? We grew up in the armpit of Vernal. Well, it's Vernal, Utah, Vernal. so it is the armpit. But, you know, I love it. I love it. And, yes, Mike likes to make fun of my accent. We like to take uh, 10 words and roll them into one. Right. Like if you say, I'm going to go to the store, you say, I'm going to go to star. It's like one word, <laughs> and wash my clothes. It's the Everything ugliest thing. And, yeah. yeah, it is the ugliest thing. But they are the best people. And Love when them. you and when you say arm, you weren't talking about the place arm. You're talking about an armpit, right? <laughs> armpit, yeah, not arm, not armpit. Not arm. Armpit. It's kind of up there in the corner, but it's dino, it's dinosaur land. Okay, right on, yeah. right on, fantastic, and and um, Mike, what about you? Give us a little background. Where are you from? Uh, pre Kirsten, you know, we, we, we talk about his you know, life didn't begin until he met me. What say, are you talking about? There's, there's B, BK and AK, <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about the BK portion of your life. So, BK, I consider myself from the Northwest. Um, oddly enough, I was born in Indiana, but only, only stayed there for about the first six months of my life. Then we went to Southern California for about the next four, so in the San Diego area. Uh, and then moved up to Washington State. And those of us from Washington hate that we have to add the state to the end of that. <laughs> yes. But there's that evil place out east, so right. we have to put the state afterwards. Um, so I grew up through middle school in Vancouver, Washington, and then moved out to the hills of eastern Oregon um, through high school. So Baker City, Oregon. Okay. 
is where I went through high school. Now, where is that in comparison to like, so Eastern Oregon? So that's like close to Idaho. Mm -hmm. that, that. Yeah, we're about two and a half hours out of Boise. Okay. And about an hour and a half from the border. Gotcha. Um, about an hour from the Snake River, which, okay. which makes up the most the of the border between right. Oregon and Idaho. Okay. Yeah. So it kind of goes uh, Pendleton, which most people know if you're if you know the Oregon area, that's kind of the bigger city, um, La Grande, and then Baker City. Right. I mean, mountain. there there are places outside of Portland. That's what you're saying. Yeah, there are. <laughs> oh there are. goodness, better places. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's a Gulf War veteran. Oh wow. Yeah, Air Force. Taco just spent, spent six years in the Air Force. Okay, yeah, yeah, had to had to get out of the small town, and so uh, rather than uh, struggle paying my way through college immediately, I decided to uh, to join the Air Force. So I joined up, uh, went over to to Guam was my first uh, base, Anderson Air Force Base in Guam. Okay, and spent a little under three years there, and then. Uh, had my my perfect duty station, which was oddly enough a place that uh, Kirsten was at with her former husband as well, and that was in McCord Air Force Base in Washington, oh, so okay. outside Tacoma. Yeah, he was an Air that Force was my, pilot. That was my number one choice, and uh, I got my number one choice, and so I was super excited. I was down. We call it short. You know, are you are you short? Are you down down to a small number of days? So I was I was down to about sixty days, which is getting short. You uh -huh. know, in the military as far as change of duty station. And uh, I was a little uh, high strung in those days, you know, as a <laughs> understatement. <laughs> and uh, so I'm at, I'm at the barracks one day and my boss and my boss's boss show up. Okay. And they're like, Mike, we got some, we got some news for you. You're, you're acting like they were going to give me, you know, my mother died or something right. like that, but they, they, they just didn't want me, you know, destroying anything. And they, they said, well, they, they, uh, they canceled your orders to McCord and uh, they're sending you to Nellis Air Force Base, which is outside of Las Vegas. Right. And I was in the weapons field as munitions system specialist. And that was the worst base for us because it was just nonstop war games. That's where they do all the combat training. Right, is done out of out of Nellis. I would you think know, you international would love people that. come. No, because it's it's you're seven just, seven days a week. You know, you're real weeks a you're month. Re you you, you huh. just you, you spend your entire life doing that. You know, wow. you know, you get a couple of days off a month. You know, I was I was used to having weekends off most most of the time and. But you and, like to uh, blow things up. This is the thing. I mean, well, he I was still already does. He terrorizes up. our well, neighbors. I was, I, was, I, was, I was doing that regardless. So that's the career field that I was in. So yeah. what base I was at didn't didn't you know, my, make a difference. It's funny. My dad um, grew up in Hawthorne, Nevada, and uh, and he would tell stories about going out and trying to find bombs out in the middle of the desert, trying to find you know, you go out and searching for or, or blowing stuff up, and you know and. Yeah, as a kid, I could see that being very fun. Yeah, you know, but yeah, to have to do, to you know do that seven days a week and well, 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 Guam was interesting in that regard. So I, so I wasn't so my so I, a sister career field was EOD, okay, explosive ordnance disposal. Those are the guys that when somebody finds a bomb or something, they have to go, you know, try and right. disarm it, blow it up, you know, whatever they have to do. And so Guam, being an island, you know, in the Pacific right in the middle of World War II, of course, is just littered 
Oh, with man. unexploded ordnance, right? And so, anytime they go out and are creating a new, you know, a new area, a new road, or you know, doing some sort of development on the island, they just find all kinds of stuff. Wow! And, and Guam is famous for I think I think it was in the late seventies or so they found a Japanese soldier that was still on the island. Oh, wow. Oh, that's where that still, was? Still in hiding, story. you know. Wow. Still thinking it was still, the war was yeah. going on. Yeah, oh you gosh, know, it had been like 30 story. years yeah. or something. I remember this story. Like, he, yeah. never, he never received the orders to, to stand there. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Oh, <laughs> man. That's, wow. that's funny. Wow. And, and so when, was, when were you at Nellis? When did you get oh, I didn't. Oh, yeah. So I, so I didn't go. Okay. So, so well, one of the options you have is you can ask for an extension at your current duty station. Okay. And so I did that. So I, I was able to extend at Anderson in Guam, and they, they throw away your orders. Okay. You extend there. So I uh, stayed for another year and then got new orders again. And then that time, so I was there about two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And then I got orders to uh, Luke Air Force Base outside okay. of uh, Glendale. Yeah. That was God going, okay, you're going to go meet a girl. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want that Nellis space, huh? Well, I'll show you. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's see how it is. <laughs> that, no, Let that the was, fun begin. That was beautiful. I just want to say that little exchange was amazing. <laughs> right there is the complete... And total From, package of what our marriages <laughs> mock each other, but he may he can mock me like nobody, oh, and yeah, I, think, I laugh. Yeah, that's he is good. so funny. So, so you go to Luke, and when was this at? When was um, I got here in July of '89? Okay, that's when I got married. So, I, I mean, joined, I joined the Air 89. Force in, in '86. Wow, okay, so three years and then and came here in '89, and I and I still had a couple two and a half years left or so until December of '92. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so you're working at Luke, and um, and you're getting married, and I'm Kirsten. getting married. So he had four years to wait <laughs> and were for you, me. And were you here in Arizona at that time? No. Let's see. We got married in Salt Lake and moved to McCord okay. Air Force but, Base but in her Washington. Husband, when they met, was oh, he was at pilot training at here at Williams Air Force, Williams Air Force, Air Force Base across Space. the valley. <laughs> yeah, which is now ASU East. Right. Yeah. So that's w- Williams Gateways, they call it now. Right. But yeah. you know, you know, we were ships folks, passing we, in the night. He and I were. We call it Willie. Willie. You know, for <laughs> yeah. Willie, Williams Air Force Base is what it used to oh be. Oh, my goodness. I forgot. I have, that. A, I have a, a, my, um, my wife's husband, or my wife's, my wife's husband, me, no. My wife's father <laughs> worked at, um, oh, and I can't remember the name of the base. Uh, it's in Omaha. Um, oh, my gosh. The big, Yes, I'll, uh, I'll I'll note if you say it. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, so will I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's very famous because it's, it's where it's where the they have a special place for the president to go there. Huh. My understanding is, and it's got a special strategic command center or something. Anyway, um, and so there's a lot of Air Force is it people off it, there. off it. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. But they, they um, <laughs> so he worked there. But um, uh, so another friend of mine actually knew Williams Field, and, and so. She came down, and, and this is when Williamsfield was all torn up, and go, oh, that was our house, and there's nothing that, oh, you know, this wow. is back before ASU East took over. Anyway, yeah. that's got a little insider baseball for you non-Arizona folk listening. Um, but uh, And you're really old, by the way, if you call it Williamsfield. <laughs> yeah. That was, was, that was really, pre-calling yeah. it Willy. the Air Force Base the Air as Force Williamsfield. Williamsfield. Luke Field. Luke, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. 
So, so you get married in Salt Lake, Kirsten, mm-hmm. and moved to Washington. Moved to Washington, mm-hmm. and um, and your husband was at Williams. Yeah, he was there for two years during pilot training. Okay, and then when he graduated, um, he he got his second wish, which was um, McCord. He wanted to fly heavies, um, so he was in the Mac unit, and he flew one forty ones. Mm-hmm. And um, then he was offered early out, and at that time our marriage was just completely on the rocks. But we were we were trying to make a go of it, and we ended up moving um, back to Utah. And so I think we made it another year after that, and then I moved back to Washington. Okay. And um, yeah, a series of events led me back here to Arizona. Okay, so let's talk. This is. Let's stretch out our time frame. So we kind of did the collapse time frame. So let's stretch mm-hmm. it out a little bit. So let's talk, you know, pre you guys meeting, you know, let's talk, you know, <laughs> um, I, I'm interested in like mindset, like, like, were you guys looking for somebody? Like, how did that all happen? Um, talk about, yeah, pre, pre, uh, you know, the, 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 the day. Of. I was not, <laughs> not, not looking for somebody. I was having fun dating. I was not interested in having a relationship, although I would say I was dating a guy who was part of my band at the time. Well, let's let's synchronize the time frame now. So that would have been nineteen ninety four. Years are we talking about? Four. That I would have been nineteen ninety four through nineteen ninety six. Those were the two years that I was single before I married Mike. Okay. So George and I had gotten divorced, and then he and I actually kind of still dated after the divorce. Um. And then there was that whole twin gate thing. He had a second set of twins get born by somebody else other than his wife. And so that kind of put the kibosh on that. <laughs> Meanwhile, I I left the Air Force in at the end of 92. Okay. And you were never and married. I was never married. Okay. And I had, I had started going to college while I was here. Realized, hey, it's pretty cheap tuition in Arizona. I'm a resident since I've right. been here for a couple of years. So I'll just stay, finish my degree at ASU. And then I'll take off. And what that was, that was you, my plan. What, was, what were you studying? A double E, electrical engineering. Okay, electrical engineering. Great. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going along in college while she's going through divorce. And, yeah. And uh, we're trucking along. And I'm dating and having a good time. Had, uh, like I said, I started dating um, my one of my guitarists. And, um, you know, I really liked this guy. He was a great guy. Um, I wasn't active in my church at that time, um, and he wasn't a member of my church. Didn't really have any direction, although I really liked this guy, and it drove me nuts that he wouldn't commit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? But I'm having fun dating all these other guys, and I'm like, well, you know, if you're not going to be my boyfriend, then I'm going to date. Now, yeah. he wasn't dating anybody else. He was only dating me, but he just wouldn't commit. So then I met Mike. I was actually with my kind of sort of not boyfriend at Bennigan's. And I'm not, da- I don't, I, I'm not dating anybody at this point. I'm, I'm not really. He was waiting for I, me. I'm not really dating. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I was, a, I was very singular mindset, you know, Focus I, on... and, and I wasn't, I wasn't interested yeah. in relationships. Yeah. So I was kind of a, kind of a jerk, kind of a, you know, clubber. Well, he was a bartender. Okay. You know, he was seeing the worst doing, of women. Doing the, doing yeah. the club thing and, yeah. and, and just doing the little, you know. Yeah one-nighters or you know things like that i wasn't i wasn't interested in having a girlfriend right you know and um 
Yeah, it, like, it, that it, would just tie you down. You you were focused on what yeah, you it just to it do. just wasn't yeah, it just wasn't the stage of my life. Yeah, you know where I was looking for any sort of relationship. Okay. You know, I was just focused on my school. You know, I was trying to get that done. You know, paying out of my pocket. I got a limited time, limited budget. You know, and and uh, having having fun. Yeah. You know, at the bars and stuff, and and. Uh, and then he goes to a different bar, Binnigan's, and he's with his friends. I'm there with my friends, and he looks over and he sees me, and a light comes down <laughs> over so, my yeah, head. And he says, light, "Who Mike? is that redhead?" <laughs> but one of my friends knew one of his friends, and she went over to talk to them, and and he's like, "Who's that redhead over there?" And um, about that time, my not boyfriend decided that he was tired and just wanted to go home. Whoops. So, whoops, Uh-oh. mistake. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so then I um, was introduced first to Michael. That had the same <laughs> issue back in the third. Anyway, good. <laughs> so I met Mike, and you know he's this six foot six, good looking guy with this gorgeous chestnut wavy hair, green eyes that he still to this day blue. thinks is blue because his driver's license says they're blue. I'm like, you know, My you're the birth one that certificate wrote. says they're blue. <laughs> you're the one that put I didn't, your. I didn't write that, did I? <laughs> he has green eyes, and they're lovely, and. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, he's cute. Um, he and his friends were going back to one of their apartments um, to play darts. And so they asked me if I wanted to go. I said, sure. None of whom she knew. It's oh, all right. I knew they weren't axe murderers. I wasn't going to wind up in body she parts in their freezer yeah. or anything. She knew people was, that knew them. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I knew they were good. And so we had fun. And then he says, oh, this just to this day kind of irks me that I fell for it. But he said, <laughs> Hey, so if you want to call me sometime, you can call me at my work where I'm bartending. Stupid me. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Normally, I'm more old-fashioned than that. But, you know, I guess this is, what, 1995? And so I'm like, oh, whatever. I'm a modern girl. He gives me his work phone number, and I wait a couple of days. Of course, days. not your like phone number. <laughs> I, I don't think I gave her my number at all. I think she, I think she just looked up the phone number for. I, I told, know. I told her I where know. I worked. Yeah. Okay. Applebee's. So, yeah, I, I, was, I was a bartender at the big fancy mm-hmm. Applebee's bar. So I, I gave him what he wanted. I called him and made him feel all Careful important. How you say that. And well, yeah, that's not what I meant. I made him feel all sorts of good about himself that I called him and we went uh on our first date somewhere in scottsdale was it hops hops that was my first date spot hey <laughs> date spot it was a great place and they it closed it a, down but so good. we're there and here we are okay this is where it gets interesting so he is like devil's advocate from hell Everything I said, it didn't matter if he would have wholeheartedly agreed with it. He had to disagree just to be contrary. <laughs> and I was so irritated. Then he finds out that I'd grown up Mormon. Yeah. Here I am sitting with a glass of wine in one hand and a cigarette in the other. And he, he says, well, you're, you're nothing but a hypocrite. And I said, I take a swig of wine. I take a draw on my <laughs> cigarette. And I said, I don't think you understand what the word hypocrite means. <laughs> so... That's how we started out. And then he's, he says at the end of the night, well, you want to go out again? And I said, sure. <laughs> so we go out the second time. Brilliant. And we're at another bar. And I'm not only irritated she about- She left out the part where she kissed me. Okay, oh. you know what? He loves to do this. He kissed me. I, don't, I did not kiss guys on the first date, but he came at me. I was being nice. I didn't, and I was kind of cornered. Was I was in the corner. There's nowhere to go. 
but he was cute. So anyway, the Good second thing that day, was true. <laughs> the second day, he is just as Mary Contrary as he was before. Only this time now, he's wearing the most irritating outfit. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, I'm not only irritated by everything he's saying to me, I'm irritated about what he's wearing. He was wearing teal colored boat shoes from early 1990s. <laughs> It, it was the early 1990s. No, it was not. It was end of. Actually, they were more like no, 80s. End, huh? And he's wearing, he's six foot six, mind you. He's got legs for days. And he's wearing these little shorts dark, that are teal. They were darker shorts. Acid washed from the 80s. And he's wearing a long sleeved white and teal striped shirt. The buttons. See how I matched? I, 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 <laughs> huh? Kate, I need The fact she remembers all that, I mean, this is I, true love. Because it drove me nuts. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to. Right, I wanted to true. just redo him right there. But there was nothing I could do about him constantly coming at me with an opposing whatever, you know. And so then he asked me out So again. I have a question. What did you find so attractive about that? The only answer I can say for this is because, and this is kind of like quite the thing that we argue about still to this day about the first couple of weeks that I didn't like him. He's like, that's not possible. She's saying that. I didn't, I didn't like Okay. But you kept. But I did kiss him. Yes, but me. and I did keep doing it. But here's the thing: God knew we were meant to be together, and I guess the only thing is, is that there were angels like orchestrating madly around us. That's well, all let's, I can think. Let's talk about that just for a second, because yeah. as my friends would, in fact, my friends used to hide things from me, because I, I'm a. You know, I come from a, a family where my, my dad was a smoker, my, my absentee father, right? My parents right. were divorced and never saw him. He was a chain smoker and a drinker and, a, you know, alcoholic. And, and so I hated that. And I, and I particularly hated smoking mm -hmm. and I hated smokers. Okay. I didn't want to be around. And so my friends, they would try and get me to date one of their, their friends or something like that. And they'd actually hide. There was, you know, girls that they had me go out with where they, they hid from me. They the didn't tell. Yeah. Like, like I wouldn't like be able to tell just by smelling them or <laughs> yeah. kissing them, you know? So I was militant. I didn't, I didn't give you the time of day. I didn't give you a second date. If somehow you snuck in there with a first date. Yeah. You know? And and yet, you know, as she described where she's sitting there with her cigarette and a glass of wine in one hand, you know, telling me how the gospel <laughs> he's, is true. He's showing, you can't you know? see this, but he's like oh, yeah. trying to act like <laughs> me on that day. That's not what he I look like. Pantomime I looked way cuter than her. Just yeah, so you know, that's not And it's just like, either... Either she's the biggest idiot in the world, right? <laughs> right. Or this is just, or this is something that she really believes that she could sit here and look the fool, you yeah. know, telling me how something's true while she's sitting here smoking church, and drinking yeah. in front of me, you know. That's fabulous. And so, yeah. and and so I could I could see in that I could see in her eyes I could see in her spirit that 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 was truth. Huh. And that she wasn't, in, she, she didn't want to be that person either. I could, I could tell that. Right. She didn't want to be that smoker. She didn't want to be that drinker, you know? And I could, I could see that in her. And in fact, as, as we're, as we become engaged, you know, is rather quickly within, you know, months, you know, four or five months or whatever it was. And, and, and there was even times where, okay, she's just, she's going to quit smoking. You know, we're both, we're both going to quit drinking. Yeah. You know? you know, somewhere, I don't know, six months before we were getting married or something like that, four or five months before, whatever it was. And there was times where she slept and, you know, I don't, it really, 
aggravated me and you know and i let her know yeah you know and and uh wow but uh but again i could i could see it i i, I knew she didn't you know right it's, you knew, it's, you it's knew hard it's hard to quit and... smoking obviously yeah you know? well let so, me interject something here because please. this is what changed it for me so <clears throat> i was still dating this other guy jeff and had been dating some other guys and i was i was enjoying playing the field i wasn't making out with all these people i did kiss him but um the weird thing was is about three or four weeks into dating i am warming to him because like i say he's just he's gorgeous he's smart he's witty Yes, and he I, challenged and I me, but that, I kind of liked that. I, I don't, I don't date multiple. It just wasn't a thing I did. Yeah, yeah. okay. I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give, I'm me. gonna give this person a chance, and then I'm gonna give the next person a chance. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And he yeah. wanted. He he asked me. He said, "So are we exclusive?" I actually kind of almost laughed because I was at that time I was like, "No, <laughs> far from it." But then it was a few days later after that that he said, "You know, if you never give me the chance, you're never gonna know." And it was um, between that and then him telling me, because I, the reason why, when I said to him on our first date, I don't think you understand what the word hypocrite means. I then told him that while I could recognize that the gospel principles that existed in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints were true and good, I didn't feel worthy mm. of living that life because of the background I had come from. So, you know, he had talked a little bit about his father being an yeah. alcoholic. I grew up in a very unhappy home and there was a lot of trauma for me. And so I had so many walls up. I mean, this was ironclad. And um, as much as I dreamed growing up about having my own family, my, my husband who would never hurt me, um children that i would protect and i would love and they would love me and it would be perfect having gone through that first divorce and it was kind of a traumatic experience um and other trauma i just i kind of preferred to keep things somewhat loose yet i still had it in the back of my mind that i wanted i wanted that family right and yet i think i thought something was wrong with me and so he said to me one day that he looked into my eyes and he saw who I really was. That stalled me. I mean, like stalled me, stop. I couldn't even think or process anything because it was like, he can see that there's something good in me. Mm. And this is the, the honest truth. I felt the spirit so strongly and it said, this is a good man. So here's the deal. We get engaged. We end up getting married, and those first several months were so surreal. Um, it would, you know, I'd be watching the clock. It's ticking down to 5 o'clock. I know that within a half hour, he's going to be coming home, and that's my husband. I'm married. I'm married to this man. Yeah. Yet I was not in love with him. I was not in love with him when I married him. He didn't know this. I never said any of this to him. In fact, I kept a lot of what had happened in my life, my childhood, and all of that private um and so for years i prayed and i had faith that i would fall in love with my husband but what i did was 
And I, it may feel awkward for anyone listening to this, for me to be very honest about this. It was probably seven, six years ago that I finally told him all of this. He didn't know, I don't think. I felt like an alien who'd been abandoned on Earth, and I'm wearing my human skin suit, my Edgar suit, mm-hmm. and I'm watching other couples. I watched them obsessively to see how they interacted, how the women touched their husbands, how they touched them, um, the things that they said, and then I duplicated that. Um, <clears throat> the truth of the matter is, is I was fond I was so fond of him. I knew he was such a good guy. He was so funny. He was so intelligent. In fact, funny story is you're talking about his um, military um, experience and then the fact that he liked to blow stuff up. One day, (laughs) I think we had been married for about six months. I'm cleaning out the closet and he had his computer on on a little table in the closet, kind of a weird Height out of the way kind of place, right? And I see well, this floppy disk. We're in a disc. small two bedroom apartment, That's so true. I, I didn't have place, an office. Yeah, it's the only place he could have it. Yeah, so I, I built a little this, computer stand in the closet. There's this floppy disk back in the day that said, I think Vi- Cobra. Cobra. Oh, oh no, no, you're right. It was Viper. Well, it was both both of those projects, but yeah, it was something. Viper. Something. And like, I don't remember what triggered me, but then all of a sudden, this story about the Unibom- Unabomber, and there was uh, something about Cobra or Viper or something in that story. No, it wasn't story. the Unabomber. It was, there was a group that was planning to blow up the train. Remember the train oh, tracks yeah, here yeah, in Arizona? Yeah. They were planting explosives or something underneath like a little b- bridge thing mm-hmm. or something like that. But I'm thinking, and it oh was, my gosh, was I'm this, married to this, this guy. Viper, this Viper group was, was the name. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So oh, yeah. She, she so thought I, I, she oh thought oh I was a member of the I thought maybe the that's what it is. That's what's keeping me from being in love. He's really evil. You're shutting the computer down. Uh, yeah. so I was kind of freaked out for a little bit. And then when I had to finally come out and ask him, you're not like a terrorist or anything, you're right? You're not going to blow up a train. <laughs> but it's still, you know, it took me all these years. And so in between this time, we're trying to have a baby. In fact, because I never could get pregnant in the first marriage, and we knew it wasn't my first husband's fault. It wasn't Jorge. Was it wasn't his fault. <laughs> Um, four kids. <laughs> we we oh, knew man. that it was me. So we hit the ground running with fertility from the get-go. Years and years of injections and tests and um, operations, whatever. Him having to go through his part. It's not, me not having great to go for your sexual relationship. It's not. Yeah. The, you, the spontaneity is out the window. And, uh, and even if you're having a fight, right. but if you're ovulating, yeah. you Fam- lay in bed and you're mad famous, at each other. Famously, she, she leans over All right, and sorry says, for this, people. Here it comes. Are you ready yet? <laughs> I just wanted it done and over with. Yeah, you can't I don't you know, go start into off the that physiology way. of the human body, but... It, <laughs> It doesn't, that it doesn't, doesn't work it doesn't like exactly. that. <laughs> oh. I have a question before you go on there. By the way, this is just as fascinating. I'm loving this. But um, Mike, she's talking about how closed off she was and, and how, you know, how emotionally or, or she, she really didn't feel that, that closeness, that love. Did you feel that from her? Like, what was your experience during that time? I probably didn't notice a whole lot. I think I had my own issues, emotional baggage. You know, I would yeah. I would say that uh, I don't know the the proper uh, term, but uh, emotionally retarded. Well, I was I was trying I not to, to use that it. that okay. word, but uh, well, no, that's that's the word. He was stunted. Okay. Yeah. He was yeah. stunted with yeah. his and, ability. And I was to... I was I was raised like I say in a divorced home, and mm-hmm. then uh, my my 
my father, who I call my father now, my stepfather, you know, he didn't raise us as kids. So he was just a stern kind of cold, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I was, I was, I was, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't remember saying I love you or hearing my mother say I love you, you mm. know, until my 20s, I think, on my, on the phone when I would say, you know, it just wasn't, I mean, she's very, very, very culture. loving mother, you know, yeah. you know, but she was a single mom for several years raising three kids, you know, with, yeah. with a, a deadbeat dad who wasn't really helping out. And, you know, she's working, she did an awesome job, you know. Um, but that just wasn't, we just weren't a vocally emotion, you and know, emotional And they weren't demonstrative. Family. Yeah. There wasn't yeah. a lot of touching and yeah, not, Yeah, yeah. So I think I was just, you know, and then, and then having, so, having my, my father not there, you know, I just think I, I was, had a He a wasn't certain, cold certain, by any means. Right. But, but, but he you know, emotionally stunted or something, he, he you know. He didn't necessarily recognize that you were struggling maybe uh, yeah, yeah because he wasn't i didn't know i didn't know what it really. was right i, I didn't I, yeah. didn't I didn't know no what difference. true love is i'm yeah. glad you know? to know that though because you know i've never really asked that question so i'm glad that you asked that because that, i think that would have broken my heart um but that's why i tried so hard to act like normal mm. and i think the reason why i'm a very tactile person like i i have to touch because I shut off that ability to feel and have people come in to my walls because people hurt you. And so I didn't, I didn't know when I'd have a connection, when I'd feel something with him. So I was constantly touching him and he wasn't a demonstrative person. And like I say, he's still contrary, you know, that would, that would set me off a little bit. And he would inadvertently just, and innocently, say words or do things that triggered me because they brought back memories of certain things and he wouldn't know why i'm spazzing out well so just in a little brief bit of honesty here i used to have panic attacks in my first marriage okay intimacy wise um when i married mike and we had waited to be married he was baptized into our church the week before we got married but um about two or three months into our marriage, and I'm thinking the panic attacks were things that happened in the past. It wasn't it wasn't going to happen with him. Right. It had to do with him, not not. It had to, new, yeah, it had is... to had to do with the other guy. Right. Um. One night it happened while we were being intimate, and I mean it it scared me so bad that it happened with him that I literally ended up out of bed in the corner on the floor sobbing and I couldn't, I was shaking so bad I couldn't. And here he is going, I don't even know what's going on. Right. He wow. had no idea. So um, he's trying to get a little lucky. You know? <laughs> he's trying to get lucky and his <laughs> wife is freaking out. I ended up then sleeping in the other room for two years. And then over the course of I don't know how many years, we then are going through fertility, which further erodes the intimacy um and our sex life was it had been pummeled mm. and yet this man this amazing beautiful man he has such integrity it never would have even occurred to him to go elsewhere he stayed true to me 
and never made me feel bad. I mean, the one thing that he ever said about it, and he he made a joke, but like I say, his sense of humor just cracks me up. We're out to dinner one night in Scottsdale walking, looking at the shops, and I stopped and looked in the window, and I said, oh, man, I'd love to have those shoes. And he goes, oh, well, I'd like to have sex. We all want things. (laughs) (laughs) And I laughed. You know, that was the only thing he ever said. He was so good about it. But I'm going to share a, I'm going to get raw. Okay. I hope this is okay. Oh, yeah. Um, it's real, right? It's real. So we had been married by this time five years, I think. And I'm at work. <clears throat> I worked in a a healthcare center, and and um, I was having a bad day. I just was concerned about my marriage, and even though I wasn't in love, I loved him, mm-hmm. and I knew I had a good man. I was terrified of losing him because I still had faith and hope that one day it would all open up in me and and everything would be great. So I'm in the office and I'm crying my eyes out and my coworker comes in. She's not LDS. She sits down and she says, oh, honey, tell me what's going on. And she says, I can tell you're having a bad day. And so I I just unloaded on her and I said, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my husband. It's been, I mean, we have relations maybe once or twice a year this poor guy and she says she says you know what you're off early today you should go to the store buy yourself something pretty and frilly and light the candles in the house get a bottle of wine surprise your husband when he gets home and I said well I'm Mormon we don't drink I can't do that and she's like well if you want to save your marriage maybe you're going to have to do that tonight so I sat on that I sat on that and thought about that and thought, I can't do that. Well, I get off work. I go to Dillard's. I buy something pretty and frilly. I come home. I set the stage. I've got the candles lit. And I have a bottle of wine that I bought. And I carry in two glasses of wine, a bottle, the bottle of wine. I mean, I put out the two glasses and the bottle of wine on the dresser. And I light the candles. And I'm laying in my little frilly thing on the bed waiting for him to come home. I hear him coming in, um, shuts the door, and then I hear, he goes, oh. <laughs> and he, See, I'm thinking I don't remember this at all. I was like, wow, this is either going to go one way or the other. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's going to go really one well, way. or there's somebody else in my house. <laughs> so I don't think that's my wife. So I hear him come down the hall, and I'm, I mean, I'm just verklempt at this time. I'm, I'm scared. I'm freaking out. He comes in and he he does this. He puts his fists up by his mouth, grins at me, and kind of does this little happy dance. <laughs> and he must see the panic look on my face or something. And he kind of gives me this odd look. And then I kind of reach out and I gesture for him to turn and look at the dresser. He turns and he looks and he sees the two wine glasses and the bottle of wine. And it's like I watched the air come out of him. And his shoulders slumped, and he just gave me the saddest look. And I'll tell you what, like that, that broke my heart because I felt he's disappointed in me. And so he walked over to the dresser, and he picks up a glass of wine. He picks up the bottle, and I thought, I can't. He's going to come and greet. He's going to bring me a glass of wine. Like here's your medicine, broken woman. Yeah. And I couldn't tolerate the thought of him doing that. But what he did was he picked up both glasses 
and he came over to me and he poured a glass and handed it to me and then he poured himself a glass. Let me tell you, for two LDS people that don't drink, who've been through the temple and we're living every covenant that we're asked to, for him to do this for me and not make me feel broken, to understand where I was to mm-hmm. get to that point, that made me so grateful for him. And I felt something kind of start to thaw a little bit. Wow. And in answer to everyone's question, yes, we had a great <laughs> night. I, I was out of my head. I mean, I'm not out of my head, but you know what I'm saying? I was yeah. able to let all that go. Men have the little blue pill. There's nothing that has been invented for women that can help us to deal with the things that we've got going on. So that was my blue pill. Yeah, and um, and I, I don't I don't use the little blue pill <laughs> just for the record. Just, just for, the record. for the record. So, I'm so sorry, y'all. So this just illustrates the kind of man that he is. Yes, he is a true and and worthy priesthood holder, but he did not make me feel guilty. And you know what? We felt right with God yeah. in what we did. Um. Now, fast forward all these years, so we get to, what, year 17, I think. Um, we've got this beautiful daughter that we've, we've adopted, um, and by this time, she's oh, 15, okay. I think. Something, I think we had a really bad fight, um, and it kind of scared him a little bit. It scared me. I'm in Utah getting away, and... I'm kind of avoiding him. We end up talking on the phone one night, and he says, you know, I don't know that we're going to be able to make it in this life together. And he says, but I want you to know that I want you in eternity. And if it means that I have to wait for you to be free of all the things that you've gone through and, and, and the walls and everything, he says, then I'll wait for that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I mean, I, I need to interrupt because yeah. this is important, but I, I don't want to stop the story, but I'm, I'm really curious about that, Mike, from your perspective, like what, what did that mean to you? Like, what were you trying to express? Um, and, and to her, like, like, why was that important for you to tell her that? Well, I guess I just, I just knew and I, and I took our covenants seriously that, that she was my eternal companion. And while there might be some things in this life that mean maybe, maybe we can't overcome. stay together, we can't overcome <laughs> some challenges and, right. you know, maybe, maybe it's better for us as human beings that we, we just can finish our lives separate, you know, here on earth. But I had I had no interest in, you know, finding another woman, and mm-hmm. certainly not wow. being sealed to another woman. Yeah, you know. So so so, to for you, it sounds like you you were saying, like, this is way bigger than like like our marriage is bigger than even this life. Like our marriage is a bigger. Yeah. I'd never thought of it in that way. Yeah, ever. Yeah. I thought. I thought if we don't make it through this life, that's it. I didn't even consider that there was another option. And that, when I when he said this, I realized 
that's who I, he's who I want in the eternities. And so, yes, I, I, I felt like, okay, I may be too broken in this life. He may have his own issues that we just can't come together. But when we're free of these sick bodies that we've got, you know, the, these bodies that have gone through so much in eternity, that's my man. Right. I'm his woman. And that was so beautiful to me. And, and it was kind of neat because for the next couple of years, we had this, like we both were trying harder. Our communication um, became better. So that, that broke even, like that it melted, melted me a little bit. More. There were several layers of those walls yeah. that, that went away with that conversation. Um, now, okay. would, you, would you say that you were like trying to put you back in that time? Would you say that you loved him at that point? No, I will. I always loved him. Right. I wasn't in love. In love. Okay. No, still not there yet. Okay. <laughs> still not there yet. But warming. Yeah. Warming, feeling like it's Fif there. 15, it's, 17 it's, years in, we're getting warm. We're getting warm. <laughs> the prelude is still going on, but the play's about to start. I, no, I, I, I felt like it was coming. Mm -hmm. I felt like I, I felt like it was worth hanging in there for because okay. it's on the horizon. So, What's beautiful, <laughs> and again, y'all, I'm sorry, but there's something that happens when a woman gets into her 40s. It's called midlife libido kick. I'd, I'd heard it happened in the 30s, waited for it to come, never happened. And then, again, I'm out of town for, I think, a week. And then before I get back into town, he has to go to scout camp. So he's going to be gone for a week. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in the middle of all that, Something my body started to work. <laughs> and I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm looking at his picture, and I'm like, gosh, he's hot. And then I'm thinking, oh, it's like three more days until he gets home. And I'm, I've never experienced these feelings before. I thought movies lied. I'd hear my girlfriends talk, and I'm like, they're all lying. That does not happen. And so he texts me and he says um well hey i'm on my way home i've got the scouts in the car and i'm like Yippee! yes <laughs> and so i start to planning and i okay all right here we go getting real again i did something i never did before and i took a little bit of a selfie it was it was artistic and beautiful and it was not icky <laughs> but i sent it to him the poor man almost wrecked his truck i think the phone ended up on the floor and one of the scouts picked it up and thank heavens it went black <laughs> but yeah he because he'd never seen that from me before you know right. he's like i don't even know who this woman is <laughs> but i'm on my way home so then meanwhile i'm here at the house and you know getting the candles in in the place and and i'm telling my daughter you know oh gosh you know i'm so tired oh think I'm going to hit the sack early, hoping that it's going to be catchy. Like if you sneeze, it'll make her sneeze. She says, oh, yeah, you know, I'm really tired. I think I'm going to go to bed early again. Yippee! And she goes to bed, and I, I text Mike, and I said, go to the gym, get a shower, because, mm -hmm. y'all, when you walk in, you're, you're getting attacked. Yeah. Better be clean. So he goes, he gets a shower at the gym. Gabby's gone to bed. The planets are aligning. I hear the door open downstairs. And then I hear my daughter's door crack open. And I'm like, no, <laughs> go I, back I, to bed. I had a, I had a really uh, loud truck. Ah, so I had, I had this that old, this old Dodge diesel. 
with you know four inch loud pipes and uh yeah you could you could Which hear that you super could hear that cool until it's not until you, you could, don't you, want her to wake up you could yes. hear that thing rumbling down the road and she loves her daddy now yeah. they are peas and carrots and so of course she's like daddy and i'm like oh and he's going gabby and so i'm praying please just get it done you know kiss her send her off to bed he did he sent her off to bed and then he comes in, and I'll tell you what, that was an amazing night. That was that was awesome. And it continued to be awesome for a year and a half of just wedded bliss. It was like we had just gotten married. Um, and then he had his accident. Okay, so now this is at this is this is how many five years, years ago. So five years ago, so about twenty, 20 years, years into mm-hmm. your marriage. Mm-hmm. And um things are going great. But you're saying yeah. you're still not still in love. not in love, but I'm I'm kind of falling. She's right. fond of me. She's fond of you. Okay, we've we've gone to the <laughs> I'm fond also stage. Physically, majorly attractive to him. <laughs> For us guys, I was like the different. For us women, there is right. So he, uh, I'm at the World Congress of Families, and I'm out of town, and I get a call, um, and I'm told that. Michael was in a really bad motorcycle accident that he was on life support and uh, in a coma. Um, Wow. And mind you, just six weeks before that, I had gone through some kind of weird thing where my leg stopped working. I I was um, actually on stage at the time when this happened, and my band had to practically carry me off the stage like they just stopped working and so i was pretty much paralyzed um and we didn't know what was happening but i mean he was so wonderful he picked me up at the theater um literally carried me out to the car put me in the car carried me out of the car up the stairs this very strong man and as he puts me on the bed he goes man why did this have to happen just after you'd gained weight? <laughs> so I didn't see he that. did say that. But again, I laugh because he can he can get away with it. He's funny. So over the course of six weeks, it took time for me to be able to get my legs back and and to kind of walk to where I wasn't lurching. Um Do you, what was the problem? Do you know? We thought it was MS. We're okay. still not sure. We're wow. still trying to figure it out. Went to it Mayo, happened, you, you know, know, had all the specialists and did all the imaging and tests and not- torture wow i mean i have i have all the symptoms i've got you know a lesion on my head i've got a lesion um on my on my um spine it's just that the lesion on my brain isn't as big but mm. you know he's been so wonderful to deal with all this we've practically lived at mayo doing all these different things in fact if if you're wondering why i keep nose sniffing is i just had surgery <laughs> on my face two weeks ago at the mayo and so you know he's been great he's he's lived with me <laughs> being broken in all these different ways. Um, but so just before his accident, I got to where I was, you know, walking and, and functional again. And and when I got this phone call, I was like, why now? I mean, the sheer wrongness of this, that 20 years I fought and scraped to fall in love with this man. And just when I'm starting to, now God's going to take him away from me. My legs went out from under me, and I thought, "Oh no, it's happened again!" And I need to be up and getting to my computer so I can get home, yeah, get a flight, and my legs don't work. 
And um, I thought, because my mom was saying, you know, that he was on life support, da 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 da, she said, the hospital chaplain is going to call. And I'm thinking, why is the chaplain going to call if he's still alive? Yeah. I thought that they weren't telling me the truth because they didn't want me to know until I got home. So I get on the flight. Um, I get home. Mean, meanwhile, my sister had picked up my daughter from school, brought her to the airport, um, didn't tell her. I, um, my daughter's mystified. You know, why is mom home early? Um, further mystified when mom gets in the back seat with her. And um, I put my arms around her and she, she can read on my face that something's wrong. Yeah. And when I told her, she said, well, is, is he dead? And I didn't know what to tell her. My phone, I don't know if I had it in airplane mode or what, but I hadn't received anything. Right, you didn't know yet. And um, so I just said, we're, we're going to pray, honey. We're just going to pray. And so we prayed. And then as we got on the freeway, the pings started coming. And at that point, um, now I'm in touch with the bishop, and he's saying, you know, hey, I'm with him. Um, he actually looks pretty good. So I'm like, okay, he's alive. Yeah. And um, miracle of miracles, we get to the hospital just as he's coming out of a coma. Whoa. And they're extubating him. Now, here's the thing. The way that he was ejected off of his motorbike into the back of this huge government vehicle and the way that he hit... DEA agent. <laughs> which was a blessing because he was immediately able to get on oh, yeah, had... and get help there. So the way that he hit, though, 95% of those cases end up being an internal decapitization at the C2. He should have been dead right there. The other miracle was that the 700-pound Harley that landed on top of him when he bounced back didn't crush him. The other miracle is that it didn't burn him Right. Because the exhaust was on that side. But the first responder, this police officer, thought he was dead. Everyone in the, we have the ADT shot of the accident. Everyone's just standing around looking that at That will be the thumbnail. I'm just kidding. Right. I mean, it's really, <laughs> well, in fact, I, he, it's he, crazy. He, he saw from my garments that I was LDS. Yeah. And from my phone, I had the- The, the ponderizing the, scripture. The, yeah, the ponderizing. I had, <laughs> right. a, I, had, I had a scripture on my phone. And so he saw that I was LDS. And as he's holding the phone. And so, so he's like, you know, I've been on, I've been on a ton of these. I said, that, you know, he's, he's thinking this, this is not going to end well. Um, so I would like I would like the bishop to be involved with the notification of his family. Wow. He was actually and, LDS, and, and not the have officer was. and not have a policeman yeah. show up Come at in. her door. Wow. And so he what called a... he called his bishop, gave his bishop my name, and yeah. then the bishops have their tools, right. you know, they where they have special... access where they can yeah. they can do searches, and he was able to find my bishop. But hold on. Because while he's holding the phone and he realizes that this is a scripture from the Book of Mormon on his locked screen, uh -huh. my text comes across. And he sees the text from the wife that says, hey, sweetheart, I love you. Just thinking about you. Have a great day. And he's like, oh, oh my gosh. I'm going to have to tell. You know, she's going to find out that her husband's dead. Yeah. So at that time, because he thought that he was. Well, another really cool thing is that it turns out that this officer is in my sister's ward. No way. Yeah. So, I mean, just but, so many but, cool but things. But the blessing, the blessing of that is that my bishop was able, well, first of all, or somebody at the bishopric, he, he, 
he was actually out running. And, <laughs> right. and so so Bob, one of his counselors, got called and had to come over to my house. He, he and just tell dreaded my mom that. She but lives with us. luckily Kirsten wasn't home, so he just had to, so he he told her mother. And because of that early notification at 8.30 or whatever it was in the morning. I was able to get here. She was able to get notified mm-hmm. right. and able to get a flight and to get here. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gotten here until the next day. Before Gabby got out of school. Mm-hmm. Which, oh my gosh. Because otherwise, would Gabby would have got so out of many school miracles. and had a, had a father in a coma. And no mom. And no mom. Yes. I mean, just imagine what that would have done to that poor young girl. Wow. And then, and then yeah. to you know, so at the time they had they'd been doing you know the imaging of my brain. There was a brain bleed. So okay, we gotta we gotta put them in a coma because their their hearts tend to stop when you when you have this you know hematoma two, in the brain, brain or whatever. It, so it's better to put them in a coma where they can put me on life support and right you know, case control my, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they had they were. I don't know, redoing something. And he said, you know, it's, it's not as big as we originally thought. We think it's, it's, it's okay. It's so safe to, you know, bring him out of the coma. Okay. And that was right as we're pulling into the parking lot that he's being extubated yeah. and waking up. And it's no so accident that I had a blessing to, by yeah. my bishop who's, who, you know, you know, my friend as well, you, yeah. you know, that morning and, and, uh, what? You, know, had, you know, I was wearing my garments and I, I didn't, I didn't, have yeah. any i had some scrapes you know i had had a messed up ankle you know i had to have surgery on my ankle compound fracture but, but seriously you like you're- but i have a i have an air cooled harley davidson with with two pipes on the side that was on top of me oh my gosh and i didn't have a single burn on me whoa you know so that was that was, that was a that was a pretty lucky morning yeah know, I would just say. such a blessing that our daughter and i when 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 we got there um i mean he's loopy as all get out you know but she was able to see him without all of that. And like I say, his appearance looked fine. Some road rash, you know, and and um, by that time, his leg was completely bound up. Uh, and, my... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, you know, it it, it was um but, but definitely not remarkable. what you were imagining. I, yeah, so I thought it was going to be There was zero trauma to the face. Wow. Other than my eye. You know, not, you know, being messed up, but but not no physical injury. Yeah, right. It was all nerve damage and stuff. You know, it was such a miracle. <clears throat> but it, um, there's something that's really beautiful when because he he had a really long recovery process, so he was okay. in the trauma ICU for about a week. Um, I, you would think that they'd have enough staff to be able to watch him because he was so he was so out of it and he had a brain. Um, Damage. He had brain damage. He kept wanting to rip off the leads and try and escape, but he had pins up his leg. And if he would have stepped on it and put his weight on it, he would have shattered his leg from the inside. And did you know you were doing this? Like, or was oh, this no, just he was a out sub- of it. Yeah, you were just. No. Yeah. He is. I have. High I have. I have drugs. no mem- No. No memory for the first couple weeks. Mm, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So I'm there as often as I could be, stay in the night, and um, anyway. Um, he, <laughs> he's hallucinating. I mean, there were some really hilarious things, you know, go on, going on. <laughs> oh my goodness. At one time he's, he's hallucinating that I have I a tail. Well, well medicated. Um, another <laughs> he time, stuff, yeah, huh? <laughs> he had the good stuff. Another time he, um, is hallucinating that there's airplanes taking off, um, from his feet and he's irate about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he's so tall that they can't find pants to put on him that oh, fit. So he's just in a Johnny and he's like <laughs> flashing my poor sister who's sitting at the end of the bed. And oh, it was hilarious. But I stayed there 
And here I am taking care of him, keeping him in bed, taking care of him like he's a little baby. And, and, and that level of service is so beautiful. You fall in love and you fall in love hard. But the hard thing was, was my poor little baby girl, who's like I say, she's like 14 and a half at this time. She's having a breakdown at home calling me, mom, you know, please, I need you come home. And I'm split. I want to be with my baby, but I have to also be with my husband. And that was just the worst place to be in. So over the weeks, um, he gets moved from ICU upstairs. Um, He's there for another week, I guess, before he gets moved into a rehabilitation center. And um, it was heartbreaking to see this big, strong guy looking at puzzles and being asked by the therapist, okay, now, and he's, you know, gesturing to a sheep. Um, what is this? And I don't know. Oh, wow. Do you know what sound this animal makes? I don't know. A big, strong guy who's big, strong guy. brilliant, who's an electrical engineer, can't. like, mm-hmm. wow. It was horrible to see him go through this. But like I say... When you take care of somebody and you see, serve I, see, them like that, there was there was zero trauma on me. I had I had nothing but okay. I had some pins in my leg, but but aside yeah. from that, you know, I, I didn't I didn't ha- I didn't know anything. I didn't I didn't know I wasn't answering, you know, wow, correctly. That's, that's I'm not feel I'm not feeling any really trauma from the accident. You know, I've got a couple bumps and bruises. Couple right, but scrapes, you're you. You're just like, ah. but you know. So I don't. So that's the accident wasn't traumatic. To him. me, yeah. physically, it was more just knowing the guilt associated with the impact that it had on on Kirsten and Gabby. Wow! Yeah. But you know, it was amazing because we learned we learned strength that we never knew we had. And I grew in my capacity to to own responsibility. I mean, I had to get insurance in order. I had to. Oh my gosh! It was. Yeah. I never thought I had that kind of strength. Mm. And, and, uh, and then I, I say the the thing that I for us as, as well as just me, me in general is, you know, for certain people, it, it's, it's not easy to be served. Right. Right. You know, I think men are probably worse than most, mm-hmm. you know, generally say, Oh no, I'm good. I, no, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, I don't need help. <laughs> no, I'm fine. You know, you, right. you don't, you don't let people serve you yeah. people need to serve you know and so i never let people serve you but he did then and and now now I'm, now well, i'm having my my it. wife has yeah. to help me with the most intimate details in my life you yeah. know going to the bathroom and things like that you know and and, and then you know and, and so then having our friends you know build us things or hang swings out back or you know a box to help me climb up the stairs when i come home and you know wow. so just just allowing my wife and others to serve me it was humbling. You know, it was a yeah, it was a new experience for me. It was a humbling experience it was and, so and, and sweet, just a though. learning you, experience. You, and maybe it's because he was kind of out of it still with the drugs, but he'd be laying in his bed and I'd be across the room um on the couch. And, you know, you're you're hyper aware even in your very, very light sleep. Like I'm I'm listening to every sound. Yeah. So I can be ready, you know, to help him out. And I'd you know, come awake because I'd hear him stir and he'd be over there looking at me with his one good ear or with his one good yeah. eye. And he'd go, you know, would you read something to me? So I'd read from the scriptures. Yeah. And then he would say something like, you're so good to me, or I like the sound of your voice or, or whatever. And, and it was calming to him for me. And it, it was so great to feel appreciated and to be able to serve him in that way. But so um, he did beautifully, and um, 
and was so good um, to to come through this, and and I felt like it really made us stronger. Um, but at this, around this period of time, we started noticing that um, our sweet little girl wasn't doing well. She was riddled with anxiety, mm. and then depression came. In fact, there was a there was an and Gabby will actually tell you the date because I, I mentioned it once, you know, and I, I'd come home from the hospital. And so it was some, sometime at, at the end of, uh, uh, I mean, what year was that? 15? Mm-hmm. Is, is that when the accident? So, so somewhere around, you know, December of 015, when she first came and she, she came to me and I forget exactly how she said it, but, but you know, basically she's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm sad all the time and I don't know why. Wow. You know, so it's, it's the first time that she's really articulated that, that she has some depression. She has some some psychological things going on. Right. And mind and, you, she was surrounded by kids now at this new school that were all self-harming yeah. into suicidal ideation. And this group got inside of her. Mm-hmm. So within a few months after him getting better um, and walking normally and all of that, um, I mean, that was a trying year for us. I found that oh. she was self-harming. And so then we went through two years of watching her just sink and slowly slide away from us. She became angry. Um, she wouldn't let me hug her. I went two years without even being able to touch my own child. And um, she had a friend that was just wreaking havoc in her life and it was causing us stress in our marriage Mm -hmm. and there were times that we were arguing so violently that inside i'm thinking i can't i'm i'm ready to leave i'm ready to walk out of this whole thing i knew gabby wouldn't stay with me because at that point she hated mom because mom was checking her texts mom was being hyper vigilant he's at work he's Mm -hmm. he's trying to just get back into work and get his mind working right again properly. She sees you as the police I know, officer yes. as the right mom Nazi. Yeah. And so I become the bad guy. I hated those those calls in the morning that I get from either Kirsten or I, from yeah. or from oh, Gabby. We tortured him. It was just you know, so I was I, I just try and block it out, just trying to ignore it, you know, right. as, as and much I envied him to be able and, to be away from it. Because yeah. I never was away from it. And I felt well, like you're I going couldn't... from like crisis to crisis to, you know, yeah. you know, he has his work, you know, and I, yeah, yeah that's, it was, I resented both of them mm. and the irony that we had gone from this beautiful plateau where I was seeing beauty coming into my life and I'm opening up to him and, and to my daughter in these beautiful ways. And then it just crashed on us. Right. I felt like the universe had just ripped the rug out from underneath me and I was angry. And so um, that really took a toll on our marriage. We were blessed to be able to put our daughter through the Anasazi program. That's a whole other podcast there. If you, if, if you ever have yeah, parents, well, but, that, but that's, but that's part of the story as well. So again, beautiful, beautiful program. Uh, it's a, a wilderness a, therapy. Yeah. Wilderness therapy program where basically they go on the trail for eight weeks solid live on the trail make fire with sticks yeah you know carry their food which is bags of flour and rice and beans it's and primitive. sugar and salt and they make their own meals and wow. it's, 
It's just wonderful. Well, the beautiful thing about the Anasazi program is they call it, it's the walking of we. Mm-hmm. It's not, hey, dump your kid off. Come pick up your kid and then in you eight weeks. Party. And we'll fix her. And they're fixed. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, and then you no, guys get to go do whatever you want. There's do. no fixing here. Yeah. We're, we're, we're just, we're, we're going to help them, you know, teach them some tools. But this is the walking of we. And here's your work. Mm-hmm. Mm. And they gave us a, a book and they gave us a, a workbook um, in addition to the book. Okay. There were, so, there were things that we needed to do every yeah, day. Yeah, there's things we're doing every day. Like, you know, one day we had to go live in the backyard or, or sleep, sleep in, in the, the backyard. And, just or, to experience you know, being turn, out with no pillows, have, nothing. Have, have no lights on in the house. And, you yeah. know, just, just trying to trying to to, to feel and empathize world. a little bit what, what, with what she's going through. But there's also things that we had to do as husband and wife and, and preparations yeah. in our home to get ready for her coming yeah, back. Which makes, you know, it's, it's interesting because that does make sense because obviously, like, the change has to if, if it's going to be a, a right. change over time. You can't you can't do the same thing right, right and expect different results. Exactly, right? our she definition of insanity it just doesn't work. And so that change so, needed so to come from the parents as well. Yeah, and so they give you this this book called The Anatomy of Peace by the Arbinger Institute, and that's and that's a book that we have to read. Um, and uh, and so she said, you know, Gabby and I didn't really have a bad relationship. You know, mm-hmm. of of the two of us, you know, we we had a we had a good relationship still. You know, e- even though she's going through these these challenges and having these problems, but we still had a a pretty good. You know, I, I never had the anger or anything like that with her. Right. So going through the anatomy piece, you know, was 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 these teachings of, about you know basically empathizing with people instead of treating people as objects treating them as people empathizing hey that person that just cut you off instead of shaking your fist and swearing at them and maybe zooming up and trying to block them or something like that you know they hey, you know maybe they're having a you know really bad day maybe yeah. they're they're late for a doctor's appointment who knows that helped me a you, lot because i'm an angry driver you don't you, you don't know what, what's <laughs> going on right but the, the the moral of this story for me is is that it wasn't about Gabby, the book, you know, about because because mm-hmm. I had I had this. So we call it heart of war versus heart of peace. Okay, heart of heart of war is when you're kind of thinking about yourself. You know, you're angry, you're selfish, you're just thinking about or you know, you're why, fearful. Why is That's that person? A heart of war. Yeah, exactly. There's okay. all there's all these different emotions versus a heart of peace is is where you know you're 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 you're, you're helping others. You know, yeah. you're worried about others and you're trying to trying to help them, not so much about yourself. You know? I heard a beautiful definition of love being the um, love is willing. The good of the other on their terms, and yeah, um, in in spite of of uh, any consequences to you, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. so, that sounds like that. That's so, theory. So I recognize that that I had I had these these problems with Kirsten, mm. and so even though it was a book and it, you know and material that was supposed to be between us and our children, right, and and, and helping really Gabby, us. for me it was. Me and Kirsten. What another miracle! And it, it was yeah. me, me empathizing with with Kirsten. It's like you don't know what it was like with her and her childhood, and the impact that her father had upon her, yeah. or the impact that that her first husband had upon her, or the impact of anybody else. You don't you don't know anything about, or you certainly don't know everything about 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 people. You know, especially about your spouse. You know, yeah. and so it just it just it just helped make me more. More empathetic, and then they have another book. I forget the name of the other book, but it's, but it's, you know, it's leadership and self deception. Yeah, so it's it's yeah, about it's I've about read that book. That's yeah. a great it's book. about self deception and, yeah. and and how you can 
and, and so I found myself that I was doing that, that I was, I'd be talking really calm. Now, Kirsten, why are you getting upset with me? You know, trying to basically show, hey, I, I have how a heart of I peace. Am. Yeah. See how calm I am? Right. And no, that's a total heart of war, right? I, I, I you know, because the subtext of that is you're the problem. You're, you're the problem, broken. not I'm me. I'm trying to calm I, I'm, you down. I'm fine, yeah. you know. And and so seeing that I, you know, recognizing in myself that this this self deception about you know my behavior and and oh, wow. and just and that really that really finally I think changed me completely to where where I really tried to. It's beautiful. Be more empathetic with her, and, and really, you know, I'm not. I'm still not perfect. I still, I still have to get better and better. But at least I, I recognize it now, right? Well, and what's you know? interesting to me is, is because we've talked a lot today about like her needing to break down her walls, you know, and about her like fixing her in a way to help save yeah. the marriage. And yet, it's really what you're saying. What I'm hearing is that. It was true for both of you, and and you needed to recognize that as well. Is that is that am I accurate in that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I might not have had oh who who knows what 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 sort of damage you have from your <laughs> right. youth, right? You right. know, you know, I came from a broken family, and and, and you know, so well, but it wasn't so who who knows? Yeah, and but, the child's but perception it, but it of changed. what's happened when they're a child, you don't you don't know how to rectify that because you've grown up with this perception. It's, it's cemented and it isn't until you're an adult that you can now look back at it through an adult's eye and go, Oh, I see this now. And so this whole experience with Anasazi helped us not just with our relationship, but it also helped us going backward and looking at our past and kind of piecing things together. When you said, wow, what a miracle. It really kind of hit me that maybe there was that maybe there was an intention that Gabby needed to go through this. Our family needed to go through this to strengthen us and bring mm. us together. And that whole walking as a we, when she came off the trail, we were we. We are three years out of that now. Who are we? Yeah. And we yeah. are so strong together. And she's she's still going through her issues. Um, but you know what? She talks to us and she hugs us. It's like that the relationship's there. She's not... Which is she most some, you know, sometimes she's tells us struggling. things that we don't want to know. <laughs> right. But she's right? talking to but us. We're, yeah. But but at the same time, we're just we're just thrilled that, that she's not afraid to tell us that, mm -hmm. and that she yeah. wants to tell us it's that. She comes thing. home and wants to tell us about something exciting that happened at work today, or something exciting happened with her friend, or whatever. Right. You well, know? and so really quickly, um, so you know, it it takes time. Um, Anasazi, as you said, is not the fix. Um, for anything, it was the fix, I think, for us. But what the final fix was? Well, not the fix, but us. the tools, right? It's Just the learning, learning tools. the tools, right. learning the behaviors that can that can help to us get through. Yeah. And he and I, I think it, we had the more immediate um, fixing, but we were still kind of learning. And we did hit a rough patch there when Gabby started self harming, and there were some uh, again, and mm. there were some other things that started happening um, that we were arguing about. And, and when it, it got to the point to where we couldn't even bring her up or we'd start fighting again. And so we mm -hmm. were losing all the things that we were learning that we had learned through Anasazi. Not completely, but there were times when I thought, oh my gosh, are we slipping again? Are we, are we falling back into that? And so one night we had a date. This was about a year ago. We had a date. Uh, we come back. We go out to the backyard. We're sitting around the fire. And stupid me, I have to bring up Gabby, something I'm concerned about. 
we end up having a fight and it turns out um that and i think it was over i was, I was gonna ask like when you're talking about because obviously you know parents understand fighting over kids like that mm-hmm. that that happens with the nature of the fights was it because of differences of opinion? yes no, and, exactly and what it is yeah. Okay. Yeah. so here's the thing so before the accident um when mike would go back on something that we had talked about or not follow through with something it was usually because mike wasn't the best listener our communication skills horrible after the accident it could have been because he wasn't paying attention or it could be because there's still the damage to his memory center and this particular night we were arguing about i think some things that we had taken off of her cell phone to protect her Mm -hmm. and then he had she had gotten him to put him back on and and there's a frustration there when you don't even know do i have the right to be mad about this is it because you weren't listening and you disregarded me or is it because you forgot mm. i don't know how i even get to feel about this wow, and so you feel robbed yeah. you feel a little robbed and so i said something to him i don't remember what it was but it was i i took a dig i think at his being a father his fathering skills his listening skills and i wanted to hurt him i aimed that arrow straight at him mm. and he sat back in his chair and he looked at me with such a hurt look i just instantly felt bad because that's not me i don't like to hurt people ever but i was perplexed and here's the reason why so i said to him well he said he said why would you hurt me like that why would you say something so hurtful and mean and i'm like hold on a second you can't hurt somebody if they don't care about you you don't really love me i'm not lovable Mm. why how would that hurt you so i asked him what do you mean what do you mean i hurt you how how can i hurt you and he just looked at me and he said because i love you more than anyone your words matter and your words can hurt me more than anyone and i just sat there slow blinking for probably a full 60 seconds while i processed that and i said (laughs) wait you you love me like you're in love with me you love me and he goes he looks at me like i have lobsters growing out of my ears and he goes yes and it was like instantly mike my paradigm it shifted and instantly those walls went down to the ground it was that instant and from that moment on i mean we still argue when it comes to her we still argue about you know who's gonna who's gonna work the map quest in the car you know when we're going somewhere we still argue about those little things but the thought of hurting him in any way is so heartbreaking to me because i have fallen head over heels in love for the first time in my life i am 52 years old we've been married we're in our 25th year and i have butterflies i have butterflies when i look at him i look at him and i just think it's mine and before covid 19 broke out and he was actually working at the office if he was unexpectedly home early and i'd come home and i'd see his truck there it was like Mike's home. We have now, 
Oh, Mike's still home. No, yeah, he's upstairs. I love it. No, I do. I love it. And we have these bitmojis on our phone that we've created. Um, his his bitmoji is so hot, and my bitmoji is cute, of course, because you know I could make her any way I want to. So our little bitmojis are in love, and I get his little name across my cell phone, and I know it's going to be a bitmoji message, you yeah. know. And I just my heart swells. And it's an odd thing to say, but I wouldn't trade anything that we've gone through to be able to feel this way now. It's worth the fight. Now, that's not going to be for everyone. There's abuse. There's marriages where only one person is working. But in our marriage, we always knew that we wanted each other in the eternities. Well, we didn't always knew that. Maybe because we'd never forced ourselves to get to that point to ask. But once that question was asked, it became evident and it was worth fighting for. Now, here we are. And I can honestly say that if both people are willing to work and there is no abuse issues, fight for your marriage because it can happen. My gosh, what a blessing. This is the most amazing man. And I have him. It's mine. It's mine, ladies. (laughs) It's pretty cool, isn't it? What we've been through. It's been a ride. It's been a it's ride. Been a ride. <laughs> well, Mike, from, from your perspective, like since she's had this epiphany and, and, and like, what does that meant to you? What is that? Like, how does, how does that manifest in your life now versus before? Like what, what's, what are the differences that, that you feel or, or can see? Like what, what does that mean? Probably the biggest difference I see now is that if we do get into an argument or about something, it's usually really short-lived. You know, we have, you know, again, we talk about, okay, it wasn't a cure. It was just, you know, getting these tools. Mm-hmm. And so we've, we've gotten rid of most of the baggage, Right, the does he love me? Does he not love me? Does she love me? Does she not love me? But you feel it from me, though, and it's like right? we 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 know we love each other. We know we're in love with each other. Yeah, you know, we still have disagreements. Right, but that's life. That's yeah. yeah, yeah. But we also know, you know, okay, you know, get the heat out, and then, well, and say so you're sorry if you're if you're yeah. the, the idiot or you know whatever. It, 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 it's just it, we're able to make up a lot quicker. And you sincerely, and I think just improve, you know, I think our, you know, if you, if you were to graph the trajectory of our relationship, you know, it's just been kind of just, just sort of steadily climbing and getting, getting better and better. I think we, we argue less and less and it helps that, you know, our daughter's doing well and, you know, she's 19 going on 20 and, right. And, you know, she's getting through her stuff as well. And, and, uh, she's doing pretty good. You know, we, we, we wish she was in the church with us, but, uh, aside from that, baby step, right? yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, she's, yeah. she's a great person. And, That's and, awesome. uh, and but now you have to answer the question though, because I mean, you feel, you feel the difference with me in how I feel about you. You feel that, right? Yeah. But remember I'm stunted emotionally. So. <laughs> that's yeah, nice i know he always bristles when i when i would say you know emotionally retarded i never meant that in a in a bad 
Wait, I meant that in the it's literal medical sense. It's a literal sense, sense of the word. Well, my yeah. father's an electrical engineer, and so I understand the engineering heart. He is left-brained. <laughs> no, I'm left-brained and and a little emotionally stunted, yeah. you know, from my but youth But you know what? You never know it from his little and, bit emoji messages. But it's funny. So now, now, it's now love. her- We talk love all day long. I mean, it is, I love you, so I the, love you. The, the, the joke is now that since, in, I guess it's not a joke because people at work say the same thing, <laughs> that- Post accident. Post accident, Mike is completely different. You know, because I, I was I was a little more stern. You know, like you know, yeah. like you know, mentioned I was intense. You know, I was you know, kind of a no BS and, and, and intense kind of guy. And, right. And so now now she'll say I'm I'm more emotional. You know, he's a marshmallow. It's sweet, <laughs> so sweet. And it worked. And they'll they'll say and it, it's helped. You know, I think I think it's a combination. I don't know if it's if it's you know. The brain damage or a combination of, of that plus plus the anastasia experience and, yeah. and the learnings and the teachings you know of, of, of that program and and just See. trying to you know because I, I care more about helping people now you know mm-hmm. i'm getting older as well but you know i want you know i was never never interested in managing people you know yeah. i was more more of a technical leader kind of but but now i'm interested in, in in helping folks and you know helping helping educate or help mentor or whatever whatever the thing is right. you know I, I i care more about people you know isn't which, it interesting because i've used the analogy of when it comes to gabby that i'm i'm this omniscient character right i'm i'm looking over my daughter's life and as the mother i i know all this stuff because i've been through it I'm looking over this rat maze or mouse maze, and there's this little mouse. That's my child. And I'm seeing, oh, my goodness, there's fire over there. Oh, there's a cliff over there. And I'm removing walls, and I'm throwing up walls. I'm trying to engineer this thing. And we're projecting our own lives on Right. Of course. And we are trying to do the same thing with our own lives. And then we have Heavenly Father, who is overlooking the biggest mouse maze ever, and if we could just get out of our own way and allow him to do what he does, we may not like his methods. We may not like the path that he's leading us through on that maze. But my goodness, he's, he's the master at getting us to where we need to be. Um, but I just have to, you know, in, in wrapping up, I have to tell you the funniest, cutest little story. So he came to me one night um, after the accident. And I think this was like maybe six months or a year after. And he's like, he's visibly distressed and he says to me i'm so frustrated like this accident has messed up my dreams and i'm thinking oh no is he having really bad dreams we are so going there (laughs) we are so going there and so he says i used to have the coolest dreams like i was rambo and i'm out um you know saving our country and being this cool commando guy and i'm like yeah and and then he goes but now i'm like I'm a ballroom dancer. And now I'm like doing the dishes, but I'm ballroom dancing as I'm doing it. And I am dying because I know in his dreams, he's been wanting to be the guy out there, you know, on the front lines, you know, with the gun and nope. He's a good Rambo dream, right? (laughs) Rambo, the ballroom dancer. I don't don't want to be a Fred Astaire. I want to be Rambo. Rambella. So it's (laughs) broken his heart in a couple of different ways, but... Uh, I'll tell you, this what is what a ride, and it, <laughs> what a ride indeed. And this the show has been a ride. I am, I mean, I, I think this is such an important show, and I sincerely, with all my heart, appreciate you guys being open, being so vulnerable, sharing your story, 
Um, even if it's oversharing. Even if it's oversharing, <laughs> and even if you're emotionally stunted. <laughs> no, Not anymore. I, I'm telling you, this has been a, a, an amazing experience for me because I think, um, I mean, I've taken away a lot, and I am grateful for you guys very much. Thank you. Thank you. Anything you'd like to add before we close it up? And nah, just marriage is worth it. Yeah. It's hard, but it's worth it. Harbinger Institute books, great books. Yeah, great books. Self-help for both work or uh, marriage or, ch or child raising, parenting. And stop getting in the way of God doing his job. He's better than us. Amen. <laughs> doing well, the job. The only, the only perfect parent. Yep. Amen. Well, well, we'll end it there. This is Mike Levitt with And If Love Remains. We've been talking to Mike and Kirsten Millsap. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. All right, thanks.